On today's episode, the Patrick Kane rumors continue to fly across the NHL with the Edmonton Oilers being the latest team linked to number 88. I'll get into all of the updates on Kane's current status, and then I'll also unveil which player comes in at number six on my Blackhawks summer 2022 top 10 prospects list. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week, will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, August 29th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please be sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds, literally just a quick click of the button. We'll be helping you boy out tremendously. Be sure to go and rate the show with five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to go and leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from all you wonderful listeners out there. If you're a consistent listener, a longtime listener, and you like what you're hearing on a day-to-day basis, please go and let me know in the review section. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that's through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, folks, because every episode moving forward is going to have a video uploaded to YouTube as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please, 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 please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button right there. It only takes a second and it really helps me out more than you know. I would appreciate all the support that I could get, folks. Also, go and smash the like button down below for me as well and comment as to what team you think Patrick Kane will end up on if he does get dealt by the Chicago Blackhawks at some point during the upcoming season. And last, go and ring the bell. Be sure to go and turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, enough of that. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. That's your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. I hope everybody out there had a lovely weekend. Yesterday was uh, kind of a perfect lazy Sunday, in my opinion. The rain started to fall right around 2 or 3 o'clock, uh, and it made for a perfect lazy Sunday afternoon where I didn't do a whole lot of much except for uh, watch golf, which an incredible finish to the Tour Championship. That's a whole other conversation for a completely different show that I do. Uh, but to kick things off, to open things up on this show this morning, folks, let's talk about the uh, the latest rumors surrounding good old number 88, Patrick Kane. And what I want to say first before getting into 
Um, what we heard Elliot Friedman say recently on his 32 Thoughts podcast regarding Patrick Kane, I do first want to remind everyone to, at this point of the year, you got to take everything you hear with a grain of salt. And even if it is coming from Elliot Friedman, we heard Frank Saravalli from uh, the Daily Faceoff talk about Patrick Kane and some of the latest rumors that he's heard as well. And those guys are the best in the business at getting NHL news out there. I'm not saying they're untrustworthy or anything. In fact, they're the opposite. They're very trustworthy. But at the same time, at this point in the summer, there's just not a whole lot going on, not a whole lot to talk about. And while these reports may be true, they might not be as prominent should it, you know, if it weren't this time of the offseason. The deadest point involving NHL news is here in August uh, before training camps open up in a couple of weeks. So I just want to remind everyone, you know, especially when you're dealing with an elite talent like Patrick Kane, to take things with a grain of salt because, listen, every single NHL team out there would love to add a talent like Patrick Kane to their roster. Every single one would do that if they were capable. Um, so. You have to keep that in mind that everybody would love to add Patrick Kane. And when you hear a single team in particular linked to him, like I'm going to talk, talk about here in just a moment, uh, just a reminder, take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean it's a done deal. Uh, certainly doesn't mean it's set in stone or anything. That's just kind of how news goes in this time of the offseason. Uh, but with that being said, as I already mentioned, we did hear Elliot Friedman say on his 32 Thoughts podcast last week, that the Edmonton Oilers have legitimate interest in acquiring Patrick Kane. And we also heard similar things from Frank Saravalli uh, saying Edmonton had been linked to Kaner along with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers. So uh, there, there are some rumors out there of teams being interested at this point. But again, every team would love to have him. And there, there's also just so much that would have to go into a deal in order to make it work for Kaner, you know. It's it's hard at this point, knowing what we do about him uh, and his situation and the Blackhawks situation and the cap situation across the NHL right now. It, it's hard to take any of these. Not I don't want to say it's not. I don't want to say it's hard to take these rumors serious because that's not true. It's just more so. I think it's hard to put one team ahead of the no another in terms of legitimate interest or an actual chance that they trade for Patrick Kane because there's just so much that goes into it, and I think we're still so far away from a deal being made that it's just you can't put one team ahead of the other in terms of, oh, they're the front runners to land Patrick Kane at this point. I think that would be a foolish thing for anyone to say um, because, like I said, there's a lot that goes into this. First, Kane obviously would have to waive his full no movement clause, and he essentially gets to pick where he would want to go. Now, the Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, those are three teams that could be enticing to Patrick Kane, but there's a lot that goes into that, and maybe he doesn't want to go to certain teams for different reasons. At the end of the day, he's the one in control here by having a full no-movement clause. And then there's the contract. Some team is, whatever team acquires Kane, if that does end up happening, if he does end up getting dealt, they're going to have to take on at least, likely, at least half of his deal, which expires at the end of the season. $10.5 million AAV. You would think 50% retention is 
that's what's at least going to happen. It could even be more. And there's also been rumors of a third team potentially getting involved to split the cap hit up a little bit more. But whatever team acquires Kaner, again, hypothetically, would have to take on at at the most $5.5 million. And again, the cap situation since COVID in the NHL isn't the best. There's not a whole lot of teams with that much wiggle room to take on that contract. And then also you have to remember that Kyle Davidson still has to get a good deal here. He still has to get what he wants in return in order for the deal to work. Kaner would have to sign off on it saying that, yeah, I will get traded to this team. I will waive my no movement clause to go here. So all in all, it's just going to be a very complicated process to get a deal done. So before we go officially linking a team to Kane, and yeah, the Edmonton Oilers sound like they could have legitimate interest, sure, but there's a whole lot more going into it than just wanting him in the first place. So I just want fans to keep that in mind when we're hearing about this. Probably going to be a very drawn out process. And if I had to guess, it doesn't sound like it's going to be happening anytime soon. And we heard from Frank Saravalli about this topic as well. Um, the latest that he's heard on Kaner's front is that there haven't been any changes. He still is expected to begin the season as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. The trade deadline just always seemed like it would be the best time and um, it would just make the most sense all in all. If Kaner were to get traded, I think we can expect it to happen then. He still wants to think everything over. He, he hasn't made up his mind at this point, doesn't want to rush into any decision. and. I think he kind of wants to see how it's going to play out for the first month or two. And then, you know, if he feels that it's best for him to continue his career elsewhere, March trade deadline time is more than likely when it would be happening. So uh, again, folks, I just want to remind you all to take these Patrick Kane rumors with a little grain of salt, because I think we're still so far away from an actual deal happening. Yeah. Edmonton could have legitimate interest in Kaner, but there's a lot that's going to go into that in order to make things work on both ends. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of teams have legitimate interest in Patrick Kane, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of pieces are going to have to fit. Everything's going to have to come together perfectly. And I suspect there's going to be, uh, while a lot of teams would love to add Patrick Kane, there's going to be few teams who probably can actually acquire him come trade deadline time in 2023. All right, folks, that is all of the latest rumors surrounding number 88, Patrick Kane, and his future here in Chicago. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into which player comes in at number six on my Blackhawks summer 2022 top 10 prospects list. But first, I need to talk to you all about something really serious and very important, which is the NHTSA Drive Sober campaign that's going on right now. Let me set the scene for you all. You're hanging out with some buddies. You're putting back a few drinks. Few becomes too many. We've all found ourselves in this situation for the most part at some point throughout our lives. And as the evening comes to an end, people are starting to head out. You think about calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, 
That still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence of alcohol. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. We've all had those moments where we're drinking with our friends. Be responsible. Make sure you play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or even worse, someone else's. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Getting into segment two today, it's time to find out which player comes in at number six on my top 10 prospects list. Again, first though, just as a reminder, if you haven't already found out who came in at numbers 10, 9, 8, and 7, you got to be sure to go and check out those videos first. I mean, it only makes sense to go in order, right? So quickly go and click on my channel, find the top 10 prospects playlist, and take the quick 15, 20, 25 minutes that it'll take to get all caught up because starting at number six literally doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're going to want to be all caught up and find out how this list goes uh, one by one. Plus, I made it super easy for you all to go back and listen to these segments in particular. I have everything time-coded in the description of the video. So when you click on the episode, you don't have to listen to the first two segments. If you want to just hear about my top 10 prospects list, go and look at the time code in the description. You can jump right to it, and that will make everything a lot faster for you to get caught up on my top 10 prospects list. And while you're there, be sure to go and show some support. Help the boy out. I need all the help that I can get, folks. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. It really helps me out more than all of you know. And also, go and smash the like button on that video, too, while you're watching it. Once again, thank you, folks. I really appreciate all the help that I can get. All right, getting into number six on my summer 2022 Chicago Blackhawks top 10 prospects list is none other than defenseman Wyatt Kaiser, a third round pick back in the 2020 NHL draft, 81st overall, two picks behind Landon Slager, in fact. Uh, and Kaiser has spent the past two years playing college hockey for the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And what an impressive first two years it's been for Kaiser. Stepped onto the scene as a freshman for UMD, one of the top programs in the entire country, and really looked nothing like an 18-year-old. I mean, immediately took on a top four role for the most part, was playing on the penalty kill, power play, five on five minutes. He was getting every opportunity right out of the gate for UMD, and clearly their coaching staff trusted him enough at that age to give him significant minutes. I remember as a freshman in a tournament game, it was a triple overtime game for UMD or maybe even quadruple overtime. I can't remember. It was a couple of years back now, but Wyatt Kaiser had like 60 or 70 minutes of time on ice in a single game as a freshman. And I think that just, that paints the picture in itself of how impressive Kaiser was at just 18 years old, right out of high school, junior hockey comes onto the Bulldogs roster and really makes an impact right away. Uh, all in all, as a freshman, he ended up playing in 28 games, no goals, tallied 10 assists. But putting it all together, I mean, for playing on that prestigious of a program at such a young age with that type of role, 
I was really impressed with what I saw from Wyatt Kaiser right there. And I think that's kind of when he first popped onto a lot of Blackhawks fans radars is, wow, this freshman is playing a massive role for a really good UMD program. And they didn't ease him into that whatsoever. They just kind of threw him right into the fire, sink or swim mentality. And Wyatt Kaiser was out there swimming laps as an 18-year-old. So I was really stoked after that freshman year. And then uh, he, he followed it up with another really solid campaign as a sophomore. The offensive numbers took a little bit of an uptick, uh, finished with 19 points in 34 games, two goals and 17 assists. So the offensive numbers in that side of his game, I think, is always going to be it's interesting. I don't know exactly how to, to define Wyatt Kaiser at this point of his career, whether or not he's going to be a two-way defenseman or more of an offensive defenseman or a defensive defenseman. It's hard to tell at this point. But one thing I do know is that when he has the puck on his stick at the point, either on the power play or just through a cycle in the offensive zone for his team, He's very poised, very swift and decisive, has a good first pass, makes good reads, knows how to get his teammates open and find them when they are open. Uh, A good point man to set up his teammates on the man advantage. And that was probably the biggest thing about his offensive game that stuck out to me, how he was able to walk the blue line and change angles to get shots through or find a different pass. His patience and demeanor He has an overall calmness about him when the puck is on his stick. That's really what stood out to me about his offensive game the most. And when watching him recently at uh, development camp, that shined. I mean, Kaiser's confidence that he has to either make a defender miss or to make the right play to give his team an advantage offensively, that was beyond evident. He had One play in particular, I forget who he absolutely danced, but he was at the left point in the offensive zone and just absolutely danced around a defender uh, to basically give his team a a five-on-four moving in, uh, creating open lanes. That's Wyatt Kaiser's, not bread and butter, but that's textbook Wyatt Kaiser of what he can do in the offensive zone. Now, one thing in particular he does have to work on is that shot of his because through two years of college hockey, he only has two goals. And for the amount of time that he spends with the puck on his stick at the point and with his ability, how he's able to change those angles, like I said, and, you know, create opportunities to get shots through to only have two goals. That's definitely something that he's going to have to work on, but he did show off his shot a little bit at the recent world juniors, his first appearance for team USA at the world junior championship. Kaiser had a two-goal game, a two-goal first period, actually, against Team Austria. So he showcased his shot a little bit. I definitely think that's something he needs to continue to work at because if he's able to develop that weapon at the blue line, his overall arsenal in the offensive zone is is going to be incredible. And um, it really could be a a game-changer in terms of how a defense goes about stopping him or, you know, if he does make the NHL in the future, like I'm hopeful for, if he's the point man on the power play, adding that shot at the blue line gives the defense another weapon that they have to respect. And that's what opens up all the other things. So for Kaiser, I think if he develops that shot, there's a chance that he could be a a really good offensive defenseman in this league. Now the defense, I don't want to say it's been a weakness of Kaiser's in the past because he's a good defender, but um, I think he does 
need to get a little bit more experience against working working uh along the boards against some bigger bodies just playing against more mature opponents but at the same time he really doesn't get much of that opportunity when he's you know playing college hockey um so once he does decide to turn professional i think he's someone that could take a year or two because he needs to understand what it's like to play against that type of competition and not a knock on college hockey but the rosters from team to team aren't very deep. You might have one or two guys who could go on to play pro or three or four, but the all in all roster isn't as deep as it could be. So I, I think for Kaiser, that's something that he's going to have to adapt to a little bit and figure out how he's going to have success in the D zone. But it's been nice to see he's clearly added some muscle to his frame over the past couple of years. I read something that um, he's, gained 20 pounds in the past year or two. And it was clear. You could tell that he was bigger out there on the ice than when I've seen him in the years prior at development camp. So Wyatt Kaiser, man, yeah, if he can, I think there's still some things he needs to work on, but for being 20 years old, he has such a good foundation and has a lot of the raw tools, a great puck carrier, a good skater, not a great skater, but a good skater. He can play a two-way game. He can run a power play. He can play on the penalty kill. Good good first pass, good instincts with the puck. Now, the things that he has to work on are things that he's capable of getting better at, you know, getting more experience and just maturing a little bit more, continuing to add weight and add muscle to his frame to make him grittier in the D zone, working on that shot to give him another weapon. I think those are things that Wyatt Kaiser, I don't want to say easily can do, but they're things that are within his grasp. And if he does that, I think he has the tools to be, I don't want to say a top pairing defenseman, but I think he could be a second pairing defenseman, potentially a top four guy in the NHL one day down the road. Maybe I'm a little bit higher on Kaiser than some other folks, but again, what it comes back to for me is just that foundation that he already has at 20 years of age what he's been able to do in his first two years with the Minnesota, with the University of Minnesota Duluth, the opportunities that he's had there, the minutes that he's played there, the success that he just had at the World Juniors. Sure, there were a couple of blunders in there, but all in all, in his first appearance for Team USA, I thought it went pretty well. Every time I see Wyatt Kaiser, he just continues to impress me more and more and more, and it feels like he's taking all the necessary steps in order for his career trajectory to keep going like this. So I'm really excited about Wyatt Kaiser's future, man. I think this is going to be a super telling year for him uh, with UMD. He's going to be a junior. They've already relied on him a pretty decent amount as an underclassman. Now he's one of the more experienced guys in the locker room and on the ice. I think he's going to be playing top pairing minutes, power play, penalty kill, you name the situation. Wyatt Kaiser is going to be out there for the Bulldogs. So it's going to be a really big year for Wyatt. And honestly, if everything goes well, I wouldn't be shocked if he decides to make the jump to professional hockey following the conclusion of his junior season. All right, folks, that takes care of defenseman Wyatt Kaiser checking in at number six on my Blackhawks summer 2022 top 10 prospects list. Coming up in just a moment, I still have to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Welcome back to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. 
You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too. Go and follow there. Or if you want black the latest Blackhawks news and updates, got to be sure to go and follow Talking Hockey on Twitter as well. Getting into segment three on the show today, folks, before I wrap things up, still got to get into our Mailbag Monday fan segment. Of course, that's our weekly segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from at KMLB Bears Cub fan on Twitter who asked, do you really think Kaner will be traded? Do you think he actually wants to be? Fair question, and uh, I did want to answer this one on today's show where we talked in the opening segment a lot about Patrick Kane and his future. Look, it's not for sure going to happen. And I do think that there's certainly a better chance for Patrick Kane to stick around than there is for Jonathan Taves, just kind of based on their demeanors and how they've gone about everything in their comments. But at the same time, man, I I really do think trading away Alex DeBrinkett, Kirby Doc, letting go of Dylan Strom, letting go of Dominic Kubelik, not only those moves, but everything the Blackhawks have done in the past too, Brandon Hagel, Nick Schmaltz, Artemi Panarin, a lot of players that Patrick Kane has had success with, they've shipped out the door, and it's really just kind of him and Johnny now. Like, everyone Kaner has enjoyed to play with is gone. He spent the entire last, especially the second half, playing with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome. Neither of them are going to be back. I referenced this, I've referenced this many times on the show in the past. Kaner's end of the season presser where he said, if Debrinkit's here, it's easier for me to see myself here. Now that Debrinkit's not here, it's just kind of like, what is Patrick Kane sticking around? Because obviously, unless something crazy happens, the Blackhawks are not going to be contending whatsoever this year. They're probably not going to be contending for a couple of years. And while Patrick Kane hasn't shown any signs of slowing down at this point, Everyone has to understand that this can't go on forever. There is going to be a time. Now, it might not be for five, six, seven years, but there's going to be a time where Patrick Kane isn't a top-line player anymore, isn't considered one of the best in the entire world. And his days, he has to know this better than anyone. I'm sure he's confident in his abilities, and he feels like he can play till 40 and beyond. But he has to know that the window is starting to close. He's on the wrong side of 30, and Father Time remains undefeated. That's just the way it is. I I really believe that he values winning more than any Blackhawks record. I could be wrong on that. Maybe he does want to be a Blackhawk forever and cares about shattering all the franchise records. That would be awesome. I'd love for that to happen. I would love for Patrick Kane to stay. But if I'm being honest, it just doesn't seem likely. I would, if I were in his shoes, I'd choose a Stanley Cup every day of the week. And it's not going to be an easy decision for him, I'm sure, one way or the other. But for me, given the Blackhawks' circumstances and where Kaner himself is at in his career, he deserves to go other places and have an opportunity to win and help other teams go and grind to get a Stanley Cup. He deserves that. I mean, he's done everything and more for this franchise. So. If I were him, I'd probably choose leaving. That's that's just the way I see it. So that's 
kind of why I feel like it is more than likely at this point that the trade deadline is, is probably going to be when Patrick Kane gets dealt. But again, I do want to say it's, it's not a hundred percent for sure. Crazier things have happened and maybe I'm undervaluing how much the city of Chicago and how much the Blackhawks franchise means to him, but we'll see. Uh, but if I had to guess yes or no, whether or not Patrick Kane is going to get traded, if I want to ask this question, do I really think that Patrick Kane is going to be traded? The answer is yes. The second question I wanted to answer today comes from Quinn Peterin, Petran, Paterin. I probably got all three of those wrong. Sorry, Quinn, I apologize. Uh, but Quinn's question was... I saw that Seth Jones didn't crack the top 20 defenseman list. I actually forgot I was going to answer this question today because I wanted to pull up the graphic that the NHL Network tweeted. Let me get back to the question, though. I saw that Seth Jones didn't crack the top 20 defenseman list. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think Seth Jones is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. I've talked about this a couple of times. Let let me pull up the NHL Network page, though, because I want to see this official list. I don't think that Seth Jones is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Let's go through who they had as the top 10. Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, Chris Letang, Aaron Ekblad, Devon Taves, John Carlson, Miro Haskinen. I don't think Seth Jones is better than any of those. Maybe, no, probably not better than Miro. Miro's been a little quiet, quieter the past two years, but I, I think Miro's got the higher upside because he's younger. So I don't think Seth Jones is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, but I definitely don't think he's below 20. There were a couple couple players on this list that really made me go, is he actually better than Seth Jones? Or do people just have this perception because Seth's making $9.5 million, the Blackhawks were bad, his plus minus was minus 30 last year. Let me tell you something. He averaged 30 minutes a game on one of the worst teams in the NHL. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have a bad plus minus. Stop reading into plus minus. It's not a real stat. It can be effective for certain situations. All in all, it's stupid to look at. End of rant. Here is 11 through 20. Mo Sider. I could be about that. Put some respect on Moe Sider's name. And stupid me, I had a crossover this time last year with Detroit Red Wings. Mo Sider was plus 3,500 to win the Calder Trophy. I said, I might throw some money on, on Moe Sider. I said that to Nolan Bianchi, then the host of Lockdown Red Wings. Scotty Bentley, still the co-host of Lockdown Red Wings. I said to them, might throw a wager on old Moe Sider at plus 3,500. Newsflash, I didn't, and now I feel really dumb about it. But on Moe Sider backer, I agree with him at number 11. Quinn Hughes at number 12. Point per game guy, probably not a, not a very good defenseman. I'd have Jacob Slavin ahead of both of them. Morgan Riley at number 14. Morgan Riley is a good defenseman. Shea Theodore, I think, should be a little higher. I think Jones should be right here in this category with Zach Rowenski, Drew Doughty. Rasmus Dahlin is not better than Seth Jones already. That's, that's bad. Alex Petrangelo also should be higher on this list. And Brent Burns absolutely should not be in the top 20. I were, if I were to put Seth Jones somewhere on here, I'd probably have him at 15 through 17, which means he's still a. Top pairing defenseman, middle of the pack. If he was making eight to eight and a half million dollars, I think that's a fair number for what he provides. I'm sure there are people out there that disagree with me and think that Seth Jones had a bad season, but I'm going to stand my ground here on this matter. I don't care what 
what the haters have to say about Seth Jones. Did I think he had a great season? No, but he was fine. He was good. Certainly the Blackhawks' best defenseman this season, and it really wasn't that close. So, yeah, frustrating that there's kind of this built-in narrative on Seth Jones. People who don't even watch him don't know how to value him. They just hate him instead. I think it's, yeah, really wrong to have Brent Burns and Rasmus Dahlin over Seth Jones at this point. I would have him at 15 to 17 if, if this was my rankings. Third and final question I wanted to answer here real quick before I wrap things up. I'm probably ticking up on time. Uh, this one came from Ethan Redman, who emailed in the podcast and asked, do you really think the Hawks finish worse than the Arizona Coyotes this year? It seems like a pretty big ask in my opinion. Thanks. No, thank you, Ethan. Thank you for reaching out to the podcast with your question. I always appreciate it. For anyone else who's listening to this and has questions, go hit the comment section, email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, let me hear your questions, and I'll be sure to answer them this time next week. Um, But in terms of, do I think the Blackhawks can finish worse than the Coyotes? I do think it is a little bit of a challenge. And I had a recent crossover with the folks from Locked On Coyotes and just taking a look at that roster, man, it is sad. And trust me, the Blackhawks roster is pretty sad in itself, but I don't think it's Arizona Coyotes sad. Um, it's We're going to have to wait and see. I don't expect either team to compete up towards the top of the division, but I, I do think it's, it's weird to say. It's going to be tough to be worse than the Coyotes, but uh, yeah, I, I do think that is a little bit of a challenge. I think the Blackhawks have a better team than Arizona. I think, no offense, I think they have a better coaching staff and they have better better leaders around the organization. And, you know, we we know the front office wants to tank. They're never going to officially say it, but it's clear what they want to do given all the moves that they've made. But the coaching staff doesn't tank. The players don't tank. And we've heard Luke Richardson say, you know, He's not going to mail anything in. He wants to go out there and win night in and night out. And I'm sure for a guy like Patrick Kane and even for Jonathan Taves too, that'll probably be nice to hear throughout training camp as the Blackhawks are likely about to embark on a putrid journey throughout the 2022-2023 season. So I, I do think it's going to be tough to come in dead last in this division with the Arizona Coyotes looking the way they are. Uh, maybe we'll get some luck on our side, but I, I do think they are the bottom two for sure. It's just going to be tough to accumulate fewer points than I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to this upcoming season. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, August 29th's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks right now wherever you get your podcasts, and go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, you got to be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast as well for all the latest news and updates throughout the NHL offseason. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or to the show, feel free to email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, all one word, or 
You can hit me up on either one of my Twitter accounts at Jack Bushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey. So until tomorrow's episode, thank you again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.